Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Until It's Fixed, Season 2. My name is Stacey Dove. And I'm Callie Chamberlain. If you listen to Season 1, you know what Until It's Fixed is all about. We dig into healthcare's biggest challenges and look at what innovative people in the space are doing to address them. The biggest change this season is us. Last season, Susan Denser hosted, and this season, we're taking that baton and running with it. Before we begin, we should tell you a little about ourselves. I'm Stacy Dove, and I've worked in the hospital and healthcare industry for 20 years. At the moment, I'm focused on the customer experience at United Health Group and trying to make that better. I'm Callie Chamberlain. I help run the social responsibility team at Optum, and in my spare time, I'm a health equity advisor for the Minnesota Department of Health and a facilitator for the UN Refugee Agency. Last season, we covered a lot of ground with our guests, but there's more to talk about, from mental health and health management programs to collaborations that focus on the greater good. There's a lot to discuss here, rethinking how care is delivered, digital tools, and ways we can improve on historical inequities and inclusion and diversity. And I can't wait to talk about maternal health. That's right, you're a practicing doula. I am. Quick reminder to everyone listening, subscribe right now so you don't miss a single episode. And with that, ready to get started? Let's do it. Let's start by looking at where we left off. When season one wrapped up, the world was in the midst of COVID. And in some ways, we're still there. Definitely. Despite a ton of progress, COVID is still one of the biggest stories in the news worldwide. COVID really showed how deep some of our challenges and inequities are. It was a wake-up call that we need to be more agile. You know, but I also think that it showed that we can be agile. Just think of how quickly a vaccine was developed and rolled out. And on the technology front, there are new digital health tools that could really personalize care and address some of these problems. It's a great place to start, and that's why we welcome back a guest from last season, Christy Henderson. She's the Senior Vice President of the Center for Digital Health at Optum, and she was recently named CEO of MedExpress, which is an Optum company that delivers urgent and walk-in care across the U.S. Hey, Christy. Nice to meet you. Yes, you as well. I'm looking forward to this. Christy. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background and what your role is at Optum today? Yeah, thank you, Stacy. So I am currently the Senior Vice President for the Center for Digital Health here at Optum, as well as the CEO of MedExpress, which is a new role. But my journey to get here is a fairly interesting one. Um, started in healthcare as a nurse and a nurse in emergency medicine, and then became a family nurse practitioner and acute care nurse practitioner really out of a passion for trying to solve problems in healthcare. And I was practicing in rural areas. And so I saw where all the system was broken and started getting into telehealth back in the late 90s in 1999, actually, and started using technology to be able to reach individuals where they were and address the barriers they had to healthcare. Fast forward, um, I've had several different roles working with Academic Medical Center, uh, National Nonprofit Health System, most recently with Amazon as I was leading their clinical operations for Amazon Care and now returned into the traditional health system here with United Health Group and Optum leading digital health. Back in November of 2020, you talked about um, digital health and how the ability to reach rural communities, et cetera, has really expanded through digital health. 
And so I'm just wondering, um, since that time, what has really changed from the fall of 2020 until now? Have you seen some significant changes in that industry? So the pandemic, as horrific as that was, one of the silver linings that came out of that was our awareness of the capabilities of what digital health tools could do for us in our healthcare delivery system. So many had used telehealth before the pandemic, but it was really a novelty. It was thought of as a video visit for minor illnesses, or if you were in an academic medical center, you would use it for access to a super subspecialty that was hard to get access to, like um, neurologist. I would say that what's changed is not so much in the telehealth industry, but more so in just the world as we've reopened. And so people are going back to get some of the care that they had delayed or deferred during the pandemic. And so um, before, the only option people had that they felt safe with was telehealth. So it was this huge surge last year. And so you're seeing a stabilization and a return of some in-clinic visits that are needed. And so I think it's really about our go forward strategy of how we blend the two and have a hybrid model of care moving forward. How should we really incorporate this and think about the healthcare delivery model differently? What should we use their brick and mortar space for? What should we use digital health tools for? And how do we build a new model of care that's a hybrid model of care so that we can improve convenience and access, meet individuals' preferences, as well as maintain quality of care. Right. And speaking of, um, if you could just talk a little bit about your expanded role, you are now CEO of MedExpress. And can you talk a little bit about how that, bringing that into kind of this ecosystem of care can also help with access? Well, MedExpress is really about care in your neighborhood. It's about convenience. And so is virtual care. It's about access and convenience. And so when you blend the two together, as well as their um, really robust employer offering where they have on-site clinics in the workplace, the combination of on-site clinics, in-clinic neighborhood clinics, as well as virtual, starts getting exactly what I was just talking about, which is a multimodal strategy to really provide options to people to meet their needs when and where they need it. And so um, I'm really excited about the partnership and the responsibility as well, partnering with MedExpress. They have a reach in 16 states for physical clinics and their employer on-site clinics put them into over 20 states. And so a very large footprint across um, the country serving, you know, over 3 million, uh, nearly even 4 million uh, individuals a year. So with that, along with our now new 50-state virtual medical group that MedExpress um, staffs, we have the ability to really make a difference in the health of individuals across the country. And today, is MedExpress participating in virtual care as well as in-person? They are. They really have been doing that for quite some time. And of course, last year it skyrocketed just like everybody else's did. Um, but they, when, when I talk about um, the Center for Digital Health and Optum Virtual Care, that is powered by MedExpress. Those providers that are used to providing convenient, excellent, great care fast has been MedExpress this whole time. So the partnership really makes a lot of sense and is one that both sides are really excited about um, seeing where we can go next. So a question for you around telehealth virtual care. 
mental health for is a great example. You know, my own children have taken advantage of virtual mental health, you know, therapy, etc. And so do you see that or are there other specific conditions or disease management that you see as benefiting the most from telehealth? I would say that there's not any place where we can't use technology to improve engagement, adoption, and improve health. And I think that's really important because so many people think of telehealth as a video visit for minor illnesses. And I would say that digital health tools help us from the very beginning when we're searching for care and trying to look for self-care treatment options all the way over to where chronic disease management or even a specialty telehealth visit, there really is something across the entire spectrum where we can improve health. So when it comes to the virtual care visits, how do we coordinate different specialties or different providers to ensure that they too are talking, let's say they're not in the same EMR, they're in within different health systems. How do you see that connection being made? Okay, so this is the real meat of the challenge with healthcare in general. So it's not different virtual as it is in person. That challenge exists today with brick and mortar, sharing information, making sure there's good continuity of care and handoffs between teams so that we aren't duplicating tests. That's hard. So virtual, there's a couple actually things that can be done and maybe a little bit easier than in the brick and mortar um, because we can connect over video from miles apart, uh, states apart, and share information. And we can bring people into the same virtual room that we couldn't because in a clinic because we're not in the same location. So I can have integrated care with behavioral health, medical specialty, all of those all in one room with a patient, their caregiver, and even a translator if I wanted to. You just can't do that in a physical location. So let me speak to it in that sense. Um, The data exchange and how we coordinate across there, a couple of things that I think are incredibly important. One is online scheduling tools that allow us to see availability of providers across different settings and different EMRs. That's one. The second is navigation tools that help us to route and help guide people to high value care for the services that they need. The last piece is the technology that allows us to bring people together into a virtual room and care for somebody in whole person health. And so all of those combined are really a big challenge in data sharing. So an enterprise data strategy to be able to have information that you need at the tips of your fingers um, when you're taking care of an individual is important. And so we've got a whole strategy around that. Um, But it really is around being in a video visit, just like all of us are doing in so many different ways and work and school and everything else today. Um, we can pull information from lots of different places and expose that to the healthcare provider as they're taking care of an individual, pulling from uh, claims data, pulling from electronic medical records from different places, and I mean, exposing that. So it's not easy to be done, um, but it is something that's necessary for us to have that good continuity of care. But in a virtual space um, and in a, a, a network that we're building, like we're describing here, it's actually easier. That totally makes sense. So how far along do you think we are along that journey? 
Well, where I want to go and where we are are two different things. So I'm super excited about where we can go. But I'll tell you, you know, we're going to go at the uh, at the speed of trust. And that means trust with our patients, trust with our clinicians, and we've got to build that trust. And so the technology is here for us to do so much. But consumers, our patients, our members that we're taking care of have to understand this, have to know who's on the other side of the camera. And we've got work to do there. We've got to get the tools in place that make it easy for our clinicians to see some, just as easy to see somebody in a virtual clinic versus a physical clinic. And so we still have work to do to mature our offering. Where we are, we've made great progress just in the last year, thanks to the pandemic. We all were forced into it, whether we wanted to or not. And so that's accelerated us. But digital health and um, value-based care is not new to Optum. So we're building off of a very strong base and really just connecting systems and people uh, in new ways. And this includes all types of digital health tools. So you heard me talk about telehealth visits or video visits, but there's a lot of work around asynchronous care. How can an individual send a video or information and let the healthcare provider get back to them at some time um, later in the day? Uh, Remote monitoring tools. How can we Instead of having people write down logs of their glucose levels or uploading information, how can we just have ambient monitoring in the home? How can we use voice recognition and other AI tools to start identifying early symptoms of depression or dementia without having to fill out forms or questionnaires? The potentials are vast there. It's interesting to hear Christy talk about the potential for digital tools to expand access. That becomes especially important when we start talking about health equity, which is something I'm very passionate about. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm a health equity commissioner for the Department of Health here in Minnesota, and I founded the New Leaders Council Twin Cities organization, which is a leadership and development program that's advancing equity across the state. Equity became a really big topic during COVID. Some of the data that came out reignited the conversation about historical inequities in the system. Yeah, I read a report from the Urban League that Black Americans were twice as likely to die from COVID than white Americans. And the CDC reported that Black and Hispanic Americans were about four times more likely to be hospitalized. So for the listeners who may not be well-versed, I think it's important to define what equity means and why it matters so much. One of our senior health equity leaders at United Health Group is talking a lot publicly on the topic and recently defined it as helping people live their healthiest lives by giving them the care and support that they need based on the unique needs and norms that they have. So it's really taking into account those very unique and specific differences, values, behaviors, beliefs that someone has, understanding them and using them to inform individualized care. The World Health Organization has its own definition, which is the absence of unfair and avoidable or remediable differences in health among population groups defined socially, economically, demographically, or geographically. And really what that means is making sure that everyone, and I mean everyone, has access to the tools, education, and quality care that they need. So, Callie, part of your role is advancing equity and social responsibility. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I would love to. As one of the biggest healthcare companies in the world, we believe that the most responsible thing we can do is change the way that we do business. So our social responsibility program is focused on embedding equity into everything that we do and designing with our most vulnerable populations top of mind. 
it sounds like we really have the potential to move the needle on equity. In the second half of my chat with Christy, she focuses on equity too, specifically where it intersects with digital health. One of the really hot topics in 2020 and 21, it's really carried over because we have a lot of momentum around health equity. You know, we've had a lot of people come up with different definitions of health equity. So would love to kind of get your perspective on what is health equity, number one, and how does that intersection between digital health and health equity come together? Yeah, well, this is really an important topic. And I think that oftentimes there's two sides of the coin on how people look at telehealth when it comes to health equity. Is telehealth going to worsen inequity or is it actually a solution for inequity? And what I really try to do is always stay focused on the needs of the individual. It's not that everybody needs the same kind of care, but what we want is the same equal access to the care that people need. And so what one individual needs for their diabetes versus another is incredibly important. So individualized care and access for all to get the care that they need. Telehealth allows another access point and we can reach people that before had inability to access because of inequities and geographic disparities that existed, for example. It doesn't mean that we don't have places where broadband connectivity is a challenge or where people don't have access to smartphones to be able to do a telehealth visit. We need to advocate for improving broadband and connectivity across the country. But when we can't do that, strategic community partnerships to be able to have access points for individuals that may not have broadband at their home or their workplace is important. We need to think about those that don't have the technology, a smartphone or a laptop or a desktop. Are there community partners where we can have these access points for people to still be able to access healthcare through technology? We need to modernize our many regulations regarding healthcare delivery and who can deliver their healthcare specialty over telehealth. We've got healthcare providers, we have social workers, we have nurses, we have therapists, we have so many different individuals, and each of those have different governing bodies that determine what they can and can't do over telehealth. And then we need to make sure the incentives are aligned and reimbursement models are modernized and really uh, recognize that this model of care is safe, delivers good quality care. And if we can get all of those pieces of the puzzle together, that truly would be a customer first consumer first mindset. Absolutely. It's exactly right. This is not about the number of telehealth visits we do or the number of different digital health tools that are deployed. This is about healthcare outcomes. And we know using these tools allows us to connect more frequently, easier, and getting the engagement that we need. We got to stay focused on what our real goal is, which is health outcomes. Great. So this season, we are ending our interviews with the lightning round of questions. So the first is around what drives your passion for what you do? I love helping people. When I get to um, stay focused on the people and the challenges that they have in getting healthy and simplifying healthcare for them, it doesn't feel like work. That's my love. What is giving you hope right now? What is giving me hope is um, Optum as a whole, United Health Group, are really focused on the consumer 
And we've really pulled across all lines of business, everybody to partner in building a healthcare delivery system that's focused on the consumer. And I have a lot of hope and the promise and the potential of what we're going to be able to do together. Did you have any aha moments or any further clarity during the pandemic or as a result of the pandemic? I did. I actually changed a job during the pandemic. One of the other things that I just love about healthcare is um, really building models that help everyone that are serving the poor and vulnerable, that are serving everyone in all geographies and, and across all needs. And that's something I was missing where I was. I wanted to be in a healthcare delivery organization that was serving a much broader population and was really getting at the root cause of inequity and health disparities. And so um, my aha moment was I, I needed to come back into the traditional healthcare system. And so um, that led me to my position here at Optum. Thank you so much, Christy Henderson, for being our guest. And we appreciate all of your incredible knowledge and insight today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So the real takeaway here is that, yes, the system has a lot of problems, but a focus on equity and digital health can really make a difference. Absolutely. Building the system you and I and everyone listening wants and deserves starts with making it more equitable. So our friends, families, neighbors, everyone gets what they need. It actually reminds me of a video featuring Michael Curry, Senior Vice President and Chief Health Equity Officer, United Health Group. Here's a clip. Health inequities are not due to individual choice or random occurrence, but instead are a result of poverty, structural racism, and discrimination. These disparities cannot continue. During the pandemic, payers, providers, employers, and government came together to meet the need. COVID-19 was a year-long crisis and our industry rose to the challenge to protect the health and lives within their communities. From remote monitoring to reimbursement and from drive-through testing to telehealth, the industry became a champion of innovation and empathy. Health inequity is a risk as great as any other, but we have the tools, the partnerships, and the will to address it together. We can address this bias in our own organizations by listening to the diverse voices within and building the teams that best connect to the people we serve. We can build a consumer experience that eradicates seen and unseen barriers, creating ecosystems that meet people when and where they need us. We can build the intelligence and relationships capable of continually improving clinical outcomes until they are, in fact, equal. That's really powerful. And a call to action for the entire industry. There's so much work to do, but we have to start somewhere. And where better to start in episode two than at the beginning? With birthing people and babies. There's a maternal health crisis worldwide. In our next episode, we'll get into all of that and talk more about the term birthing people, which might be new for some of you. Surprisingly, of all first world countries, America ranks highest for maternal deaths. It's an issue that the more you dig into, the more you see how inequity and race are factors. And it's bigger than what's happening for birthing people once they're pregnant. I look forward to learning more about this critical issue that sits at the intersection of race and gender. Until then, thank you for joining us for our first episode of season two. I'm Stacy Dove. And I'm Callie Chamberlain. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe. 
This is Until It's Fixed, a health innovation podcast from Optum. Thanks so much for listening.